It's time for JT the Brick. This is about as good as it gets. <laughs> it is. There's some legends here. No there, doubt right? about it. I can't believe the Raiders had Cliff Branch and Fred Belenikoff um, on the same team, but uh, <laughs> but they had they had such a dynamic team. JT the Brick. I just love the. I don't know. I just love the Raiders. I, I'm, I'm not sure why. Growing up in Kansas, I love John Madden and Mark Van Egan. Mark Van Egan. Mark Van Egan. Yeah. Um, guys like that. I just. I don't know. I just love the Raiders for some reason. Jackpot, baby. And now here's JT the Brick. Thanks for coming back, everybody. Hour number two are brought to you by Resorts World, Scott Sabella's vision of sports, largest, most unique casino property on the Strip. We'll be doing a lot with them this year. Come on out to Resorts World. When you get there, free parking. You come through the elevator. It opens up. You're at Doghouse Saloon. That's their sports book and their sports footprint. It's fantastic. I always slide over to 8, the cigar lounge there. Coolest cigar lounge I've ever been to, and I've been to a bunch. And it's fantastic there. From their airing system there where it doesn't feel like there's any smoke to their outside patio. to their It's fantastic. Go to 8 inside Resorts World. You thank me for that. And we'll be doing a lot with them coming up here. Also, we want to welcome in Modelo this hour. I'm doing a draft remote for Modelo the Thursday of the draft. So I'll be on the strip doing a remote for Modelo. Details coming. And then that night, I'll be doing and anchoring a portion of the Raider draft at the Raider draft party. So that's going to be a big day. That Thursday of the draft is huge. Friday, I have an event over at M Resort, which we'll be doing with some alumni. So just follow us on Raider Nation Radio. Find out where all of us will be. There's going to be guys all over the Strip and gals all over the Strip uh, trying to feed in to this great opportunity there. Saw on the news last night that they put up the arc of what they're going to build out as the stage behind Link. Interesting location. We'll see. Interesting location where they're putting it. As Bobby knows, that's where I started my life in Vegas, right behind that stage, Colvell Apartments, <laughs> right there, Colvell Street Apartments. And on that corner, on the back end, is where I lived, and that's where Tupac was taken out, right there. And I'm not talking about it's not a dangerous area, it just happened to be that corner. So when I moved here as a stockbroker and decided to get into radio, what was the name of it? The Coval Street Apartments. It's something back. Coval something. It was right behind where that stage is going to be set up there. So I wish I had that apartment because it looked right back. This was in 1996, long before the link and what they did out there. And you know, I, I like it over there. I, I think it's fun to be there. I go to Brooklyn Bowl to see concerts a lot, which I like. And I, I just like a, that footprint is pretty cool. And my sons were younger. We would take them there for pizza and ice cream. And there's been some sports bars over there that have come and go. But the location to walk over to Caesars, to walk over to the Bellagio Fountains. And it should be a madhouse. I hope it is. I hope it's packed. Because Nashville's looking at us. Nashville had 600,000 people on Broadway. And it was spectacular for what I heard. And if we don't start beating them, like all these other spots, and we have to, and we usually do, it's not a problem. When Vegas is Vegas. You know, Muhammad Ali fought, fought here. Okay, Marvin Hagler fought here. They didn't fight Nashville. Okay, they didn't fight in Englewood. A little bit at the Forum, but not at the level that they do Vegas. Whenever, whenever people get jealous of Vegas, they start to say, well, Vegas, that Trevor Noah might be the least funny guy I've ever seen. He took a bunch of shots at Vegas on the Grammys. Took a bunch of shots at him. Okay, and, and the people around sports take shots at Vegas, but they all come here. 
They come here for sports, their bachelor parties, their anniversaries. They come here to get married. They come here for the pools, vacation, fine dining. But now they're coming here more and more for sports because of the visionaries that said, look, we got to get professional sports out here, not amateur athletics. And we got a big event coming up with this huge event coming up with the draft, which I would hope if you're a local, I don't know what parking's going to look like. I have no idea. Uh, but I would just get down to the strip and I'd be a part of it. And I'd find a way to take your kids and walk the strip, get autographs, buy T-shirts, wear your Raider gear. And all of a sudden, when they have that drone footage, if you see just an army of silver and black, and there's a lot of Raider fans out there, it's going to do good. It's going to do good for all of us. Need a Raider showing for the draft, as we're excited about that. 702-365-9200. I opened up the show, I think, with a good topic on what Darren Waller's worth is to the organization going forward. And I think that he, he's a topic of conversation here and what they need to do about a contract extension or playing through this year for next year. Vinny Bonsignor wrote in his mailbag on April 1st. It wasn't April Fool's. They talked about what happens when Waller, Jacobs, and Hunter Renfro all need extensions. And Vinny wrote, quote, There's no doubt Waller is underpaid, but it was his choice to sign a four-year contract for $29 million two years ago. That gave him guaranteed security at $10 million. Remember, he was in the midst of a breakout season and set to become a restricted free agent. So he decided on that number, and he agreed to it. As it stands, he has two years left on the deal for roughly $7 million each year. Is he underpaid at $7 million? Yeah, I think he is compared to his upside. But he's got to be available this year. He's got to be healthy. Let's get out to Nick in Long Island. Nick, thanks for waiting through the top. Appreciate you. Go ahead. No problem. What's going on, JT? How are you? Doing well, thanks. All right. So as far as, I mean, there's a few things I wanted to touch on, but Darren Moeller, you don't have to make him the highest paid guy in the league. Put him in with where he belongs with the top three. No problem at all. Everyone's worried about the contracts, the salary cap. If anything is, we've learned anything over the years, especially with the Raiders, the way they do their contracts, it's no problem. They get out of these contracts. The only one that was ever an issue was Corey Littleton. And when it was originally signed, it was never structured that way. I think the Raiders, Gruden and Mayock, felt like he was a sure thing. He was going to be here for years. They were never going to have to cut him. So they restructured him to where, as if they had to cut him, it would have been, as we saw, that's what happened this year. He had to go. You had a caller a few, uh, few calls ago say Jacobs hasn't proven anything. Listen, Josh Jacobs was the best player on the field against the Chargers in Week 18 mm-hmm. and then again against the Bengals in the playoff game. He is a winning player. Yep. That guy is a beast. You pay that guy as well. You put him where he's – Derrick Henry only makes $12.5 million a year. Josh Jacobs isn't going to sniff that. He's a Raider. He, all he, he plays through injuries. He gets hurt a lot. Every running back gets hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about him aging. He's not a speed guy. He plays with elusiveness, power. He's going to age fine. And if he doesn't, you just get rid of him, and the contract will be fine. It's no big deal at all. Everyone worries about the contract and salary. You pay these guys. They've done nothing but produce since they've gotten here. Renfro, Waller, Jacobs. And one other thing – because you touched on it also earlier. Eight and, a, eight and a half games for the Raiders over under next year. Is there a more overrated team than the Denver Broncos? The Denver Broncos stink. Last year they started out 3-0 and because they got to play the Jets, the Jaguars, and the Giants, and then went 4-10 and from that point on. The Raiders played the Broncos in October when they still had Ruggs and Waller, and they didn't belong in the same field as the Raiders. All the Broncos did was go out and get Russell Wilson, who's a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. A year ago at this time, we would have said Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in his division. Yeah, Russell Wilson, let me jump in on that because it's really important. A lot of people look at the Raiders 
and they're really triggered now about their win total of eight and a half. And that's what's driving the bitterness of that phone call. And Nick's a really good caller. I appreciate that. Everybody's good. When it comes to overrating the Chargers, they don't they overrate the Chargers and they never overrate the Raiders. Put that in a t-shirt. I want the I want to get paid on that t-shirt. They overrate the Chargers and underrate the Raiders. Why is that? It's the media. The media could overrate the Raiders and underrate the Chargers. They choose not to. And the Chargers pay for that type of media attention. Now, Denver, Denver had success with Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning put Denver back on the map. And everybody's just in love with Denver's roster. How many times did you hear the garbage last year? The trash, the filth. Man, they're just a quarterback away. That's the best roster in football. And I'm sitting there going, you know, four people on the roster. Von Miller, you could say his name. And you could maybe say at that time, Judy. And why you don't know anybody, but you just you trick yourself into saying what the media, the garbage that the media shovels. And when you hear three or four national people say, you know, Denver's got the best roster in football. They just need a quarterback. And you hear that all the time from morning drive till television at night. You fall into the trap. They lost their last four games against the Raiders. The head coach got fired because of the Raiders. I've been told that within their organization. Vic Fangio got fired because he couldn't beat the Raiders. Not that he couldn't beat the Chargers. and No, they can't handle losing to the Raiders. To their credit, they hate the Raiders. They judge their success by the Raiders historically. And after losing the last four, if they fired Fangio. So that's what's going to happen. And then when it comes to Kansas City, Andy Reid at least comes out like he respects the Raiders. He showed up at John Madden's memorial. How cool was that that Andy Reid went up there? And Kansas City at times owns the Raiders. Owns the Raiders. And we the, the organization took a major step back last year in the battle with Kansas City. But they lost Tyreek Hill. So finally, I don't have to sit here. I was getting sick and tired of just saying it. How many years would I say, misdirection, misdirection, here it comes, misdirection, here it comes. Watch out. Here comes misdirection. Guys open by 30 yards. Game's over. Raiders get swept by Kansas City. I don't have to say that anymore because the Raiders don't have to guard Tyreek Hill with Jonathan Abram biting on a run and someone going 30 yards over his head. Now, you still got to guard Kelsey, who's a hell of a player, and they do have good players on that team, but at least I feel like the Raiders can beat Kansas City anytime with Devontae Adams now and Chandler Jones. I feel like they can win. One other thing quickly. We'll get to Gangster Raider coming up here. Josh Jacobs was 15th in the league in rushing yards, 872 yards. Josh Jacobs, who played in 15 games. Josh Jacobs averaged 58 yards a game. I grew up with Earl Campbell, Walter Payton, Barry Sanders, O.J. Simpson, go down the list, okay, where guys rolled out of bed for 130 yards. Eric Dickerson. I know the game has changed. When you're averaging 58 yards a game, don't tell me about contracts. Don't tell me. I know how good you are. I know what you can do. I know what you can do in the passing game. I know all of that. Just uh, When you're averaging 58 yards a game, when you're averaging 98 yards a game, and then I look at this, Jonathan Taylor averaged 106 yards a game. 106, he's the best running back. 
So let's take him out. He's a throwout statistic. Nick Chubb, 89.9 yards a game, rounded up to 90. Joe Mixon, 75 yards a game. Najee Harris, 70. Dalvin Cook, 90. Okay? So when you get to Josh Jacobs and you scroll down, you're not scrolling up with Josh Jacobs. Don't tell me about contracts for a guy who is averaging 58 yards a game last year. That, that, that's, not, that's not blowing anybody away. So I know how talented he is. I like him. He's a Disney movie in progress. We know the backstory. We like Josh Jacobs. I have to run a radio show and dip the show in reality. You want to pay players, certain players who only play 13 games? You want to pay players that average 58 yards? Not happening with these guys. These guys who are taking over now, they judge the stats. They judge your durability and your availability. Period. And that's what's going to happen. So Josh is already paid. Let's see what he does this year. If he averages 85 yards a game, he's going to get much more money, and it'll be deservingly so. 702-365-9200. Here's Gangster Raider. Hey, what's happening, JT? I feel like Darren Waller, his value is invaluable with the Raider organization behind Derek Carr because, first of all, he's a matchup nightmare. He pretty much is unmatchable against any defense and also his character. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. His story, staying sober and everything. I think his influence helped Mad Max Crosby get clean, and you see how, how Max Crosby has taken his career to the next level since he got sober and everything, and I think that uh, has a lot to do with Darren Waller. You know what I mean? And his influence in the locker room. And also, you got to remember, he was a Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. Mm-hmm. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? That's big. That's big. That's the type of stuff you need on a young team that we have. And I think if he could have put his arms around um, rugs more, it could have prevented that um, tragic accident that happened last year. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I believe he's invaluable. And as far as Jacob, matter of fact, um, Jacobs and um, Waller is the only two new jersey, new player jerseys I have. You know, I have all most of the old school players, but I got the Waller and the Jacobs jersey with the sea captain and the Vegas patch on them because I think they're good players. Mm-hmm. And, um, but Waller is invaluable, and I agree with you saying about Jacobs, but also you got to remember the line was messed up yes. last year, and he lost his fullback um, last year too. So I think that's why he only averaged so many yards. But Waller, Waller is invaluable. He's a made man, or he should be a made man. In Vegas, and that's my opinion. Have a good show. Yeah, that's thank all you. I want Appreciate to it. Thank you for the call. No doubt about that. And I would agree on that. He is a made man. And back to Josh Jacobs again. Uh, Josh Jacobs is the type of player. Now in Oakland, he had one thousand one hundred fifty yards, four point eight a carry. Uh, first year in Vegas, one thousand sixty five yards, three point nine. Last year, when you looked at the numbers, when you look at the numbers and what he's been able to do. 2021, 872 yards, 4.0 per carry, nine touchdowns. So he's got 28 touchdowns on his career. Those are good numbers. You just like to see the average go up. You'd like to see the average go up when it comes to yards per game. You'd like to see that number just go up a little bit more. I'm good with touchdowns. He's great on the goal line. He's very strong. Very strong player, ninth in the running back department with touchdowns. So Josh is good, and Josh has got to have a big year this year because he's playing for a new GM and a new coach. And I've been doing this 25 years uninterrupted. You know how many program directors I work for? General managers? Can't count them. Okay? Bobby, you can? Yeah. Believe me. 
And they come in and they all tell you the same thing. Oh, we're going to do that. Oh, stop. Just let me do what I do. We'll, we'll figure it out. But I listen and I respect them all. And then they come and go. And I go, wow, what happened to that guy, Bobby? And they're gone. And you sit there and you go, you're going to try to re- reinvent the wheel. When the new bosses come in, if you do your job well, you keep your job. When the new bosses come in, they typically go, let's make changes because we just got hired and we don't know what to do, but we're told to make changes. Well, these guys and Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, they come from the Patriots, the super, super elite. They go to the playoffs every year. They coach when other coaches don't coach because they've been eliminated. They coach on Super Bowl Sunday, and they're loaded with rings. They want to bring the culture of winning back here where everybody's a member of the team, and no matter who you are, if you're a better player, you're going to play. You're going to play. We're not playing politics on your contract, your contract years and all that. We want to put the best players out there and look forward to talking to them. Coming up next, A.J. Perez, Front Row Sports. He broke the story on the Washington Commanders that everybody's talking about. Looking forward to this. What's going to happen with Daniel Snyder? The Wolves are at the door. There's a good chance he's going to get run out. When we're talking the draft, we're talking Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence, Remy Martin's got their unbelievable back room and their back bar at the Raiders Tavern and Grill. You can find me there with a Remy Martin sidecar in hand. It all goes back to whoever ordered the hit as Brent Musburger so eloquently has explained it, on John Gruden. This was all ignored. It was gone. It was over. No one was talking about it. No one was thinking about it. There was nothing about it, and no one said anything about it until somebody decided to peel off some emails from the 650,000 document dump that, that was otherwise secret and got John Gruden fired. That's what gave this thing life. Mike Florio is talking about Brent Musburger when he came on with me. And we are still talking about this up until today. JT with you as we are back. Brought to you by Grimaldi's Best Pizza I Ever Had. Five locations here in the Valley. Get the Brooklyn Bridge, the Caesar Salads, the wine, the food, the desserts. It's incredible. A.J. Perez, kind enough to join us. Senior reporter who joins us from a great site, Front Office Sports. Uh, Get that follow going because it's a lot of breaking news on the business side of sports and what's happening, and he is all over the story with the Washington Commanders. AJ, thanks for the time today, and let's begin. Tell us the latest on your reporting and how you were able to put all this together. More allegations against Daniel Snyder. I heard it. I I got a tip a couple weeks back um, before I knew any names, um, and obviously one came out was reported today by The Athletic that that was the person who I was referencing in Saturday's report. So it's been going on for a couple of weeks. I went, I, went to, I went to Congress, knocked on some doors, went down to the NFL owners' meetings, uh, found out some more stuff there. Um, the NFL and the commanders have had some of this information for at least a couple of weeks. Um, but before my report, we didn't know exactly what they were looking at. We know they had expanded – the Congress had expanded the investigation beyond um, uh, the – the um, hostile workplace claims to include some, you know, financial in, uh, irregularities. Um, and then we re- we reported on uh, between the, the two games on, of the final four on Saturday that uh, that the, um, the commanders allegedly um, had a um, had a ticket a ticket scheme where if this is true, and this is from testimony um, in Congress, 
uh, if it's, they were they were taking a cut of the revenue that was supposed to go to the league that filters out to the visiting teams. All right, so I'm fascinated by two things. First off, it's pretty obvious to everybody. If it turns out that these allegations are true and he was skimming money from other owners, other partners, I don't think there'd be one owner that would support him and he would clearly be out. Is that the word you got down at the breakers or by talking to other sources around the league? If this is true, these are allegations, there's no way he can recover from this. Yeah, we didn't know at the time. I just had a, I had the financial part, didn't know what the, what the, the alleged scheme was. Um, but it, it takes so much, JT. It takes 24 owners, and the people I've talked to, the owners I've talked to, they still don't know what's going on. They're still, they, they still want to find out more. I've asked the league if the Mary Jo White investigation that was launched after the Super Bowl into more claims against uh, Snyder and others in the organization would include this financial stuff. I've not heard back. Um, nobody has. Um, but uh, I've, I've, those I've talked to around the league, you know, they've basically told me one former – uh, league executive said it's it's going to have to be led by the owners. The owners are going to have to step up. But Goodell's not going to going to force the issue unless he knows there's 24 plus owners that that are going to that are going to agree with him to remove an owner, which has never happened in the modern NFL. AJ Perez is our guest from Front Office Sports. All right, so a couple other quick things. I love when Congress gets involved. I'm I'm in the minority there. I love it because Congress gets involved when leagues can't figure themselves out from Jose Canseco and steroids. When leagues start to embarrass Congress and congressmen and women hear about sports and allegations and people are asking them, why aren't you involved? When they get involved, when they decide to go all in, it's because it seems like they're, they're a last resort. What are you hearing on the Hill when you talk to congressmen and women or sources behind this? Yeah, I covered those steroid hearings in the same committee going back 14, 15 years. I remember that. It was a much different committee back then. It was uh, now it's Democrat led, and um, and there's a lot of bickering back and forth, like it happens in all every every part of D.C. Um, but yeah, they, they have subpoena power. They haven't used it yet, as far as we know, to subpoena anybody related to the league or the commanders. But I think you know they're it's being a lot of the, a lot of the, the women who stepped forward and some others have and a lot of have offered their opinion were. You know, the it's it's kind of it's as bad as harassment and as bad as those claims were. It's a lot. It could I'm not saying it's easier to prove uh, uh, financial um, irregularities, but it's if it's on a spreadsheet, if it's there in black and white, it's a lot easier to investigate. And I think uh, if if and I was told a few days ago that they were strongly considering uh, issuing subpoenas for not only documents but for actual but for actual uh, you know witnesses. Um, that's going to be a that's going to be the you know, that's going to lead to hearings, and I think that's that's going to be the next signal. Uh, A.J. Brez is our guest. Let me ask you here about a big other topic, the John Gruden emails. Where does that stand on this when it comes to connecting all the dots on this, the culture of the Redskins and the cheerleader scandal to what we're hearing now about maybe skimming home tickets and not participating with the right revenue share, and then going back to the leaking of the emails from Bruce Allen emails off the Redskin server does this get all piled into one or are these separate issues it's all i mean really it's all one i mean that's why the the conspiracy theory that snyder leaked it is kind of if he I, there's no indication that he did but just think about it the the um he was his team was fine in july um he he stepped down on his own volition and it was quiet until those emails came out and the email started this congressional investigation days later the oversight committee launched the investigation into the toxic workplace claims and obviously, John and Gruden sued in, sued, sued in court, in, uh, court down there in uh, Clark County. 
Um, and uh, so it just started off. It, it not only forced Gruden out, it, it's, it put the spotlight back on Snyder, which was, you know, it was dying down. Even here in, in the D.C. area, it, it, that had died down. There were obviously many women, many of the, uh, of the accusers who were, who, who were brave enough to come forward and put their names to it, both in the Washington Post and also in that hearing a few weeks back. Um, you know, they were keeping that going, but they were, the, they were almost the only ones. It, it had kind of got off the radar. And now just to think of it, you know, that, that leak – uh, to the Washington, to, to the New York Times and uh, the and the Wall Street Journal, led to this investigation going towards uh, towards Snyder to a way that where now there's someone accusing him of skimming money from tickets. AJ Perez, kind enough to join us. So this is fascinating to me. What are you hearing about the timeline? Because the times with politics and sports, the NFL has the draft. I'm in Vegas, as you know. They're building the stage yep. for the draft. The last thing that Roger Goodell wants to deal with is a firestorm with one team. And there's other big storylines there with the lawsuit with Brian Flores here. Does this get pushed yep. down for the entire offseason, or can this get hurried up in front of Congress? What are you hearing? Oh, Brian Flores was a bigger topic than uh, Dan Snyder down there at the Breakers in West Palm Beach last week. Um, it is even though they're not allowed to talk, you know, in behind closed doors, not talking to us reporters about the Brian Flores lawsuit. They're not – they really – they're – litigation they don't even touch even on background normally um so that it yeah there's that you know Stephen ross is under you know, the same the same kind of spotlight that Snyder is now you know there's but it just uh it's going into that you know there goodell did, did say last week that he wanted to talk to snyder kind of implying about he had to be reinstated from everything i've told even talking to jerry jones there was never a suspension announced and there was never a secret suspension so I don't know when he said he wanted to talk to Snyder. Well, the, the league knew about this investigation. They didn't know the details that I had and reported on, on Saturday. But they, had, but they had an inkling that it was going towards the finance of the commanders. Um, and um, so they had a little idea then. But I, maybe that was a good deal was talking about. You know, the league's not commenting to me about any of this. So, um, you know, you could draw your own inferences, I guess. AJ, what story do you think – both of these owners are potentially in trouble, but it'll be – in my opinion, easier to prove the improprieties against Daniel Snyder than Stephen Ross. Would that be fair to assume? Yeah, unless there's audio or video. I mean, that's gonna be it's gonna be he said he said uh, in, in that instance. Um, and I think there's enough people and there's enough. You know, there's been so much turnover here, JP. There's been so much and even before the the, the Washington Post story almost. Uh, almost 20 months ago now, even before those, the, those women came forward, there was just a constant churn here. And it's picked up. They lost their, their, um, their top analytics guy last, uh, last Thursday or Friday. And there's people, when I live here, I've had friends who work for the team and no longer work for the team. A lot of NDAs, so they can't tell me anything. Not, not that they were inside of any of this stuff anyway. But, um, you know, there's just been a constant churn. And it's, uh, they've, they, they, they brought in Jason Wright as president. They brought in Rivera um, to and also uh, Martin Mayhew to kind of to kind of calm that down, but there's still a lot of parts of the, a lot of parts of these um, uh, of of the organization has just kind of just been uh, musical chairs for a couple of years now, and uh, a lot of it is it's uh, you know you, things things go on here, and you saw what Alex Smith said last week. Things go on the whole, when he's talking about all the noise that that he is that there, that that he heard he heard when he was with the Commanders. There's a lot of that. There's just there's, things that happen here that don't happen in other franchises and i've heard that from many people who have worked for multiple franchises over the years who came here hey last one aj great reporting by you but you know mike florio is a guy i give a lot of credit to because he's one of the only guys who ever talks about this and he has a connection through nbc yeah. and sunday night football 
and obviously you cover the NFL, and the NFL, we're partners with, a lot of people are partners with. I'm on a flagship station. My show on Sirius XM has a connection with NFL Radio. Everybody understands how close you can go to the Bob Wire fence here. You deserve a lot of credit on the reporting on this issue here, and do you think more and more people are going to talk to you in the coming weeks and months here, or more people are going to be buttoned up because they just don't want to get involved with this? I have people through secondhand sources who want to get subpoenaed so they can talk. Um, they're not going to be talking to me first, but they do. Mm. Um, and I, I, I asked a question of the commanders today. You know, they, they put out two statements. The one, uh, one statement, the second statement from the lawyer from, for the, the ticket worker who did, the former ticket worker who did, uh, who did testify, you know, where, where, the, where his lawyer asked the commanders to release him from his uh, non-disclosure agreement. I asked the commanders, like, are you going to release him? That's been a big deal for all the women. You know, they, you know, a lot of they, a lot of them were couldn't come forward for a long time until Congress got involved, um, or didn't feel comfortable at least until Congress got involved. Um, and that's gonna be the same case here. They're they're gonna need to be they're gonna need to be subpoenas. We didn't. I knew the name of the person who was reported today by the Athletic, who was in a statement that 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 um you know that came out. You know, I I know the name for a couple a couple of days. I know a name of at least one other person who testified uh, to the committee about this stuff, and uh, it's it, that's not supposed to get public. I didn't publish his name. You know, a lot of this doesn't done in secret. A lot of stuff be done behind closed doors because you need the kind of the the cloak of a government hearing, a government investigation to, to kind of to get around these NDAs, basically. Unbelievable reporting. We look forward to talking to you throughout this. This is a topic very important to me nationally and locally in Vegas, and I hope we get you on a lot off more often, AJ. Really appreciate you doing this. Yeah, thanks. I, I got a tip for you. You're, uh, you're a Raiders owner, huge F1 guy. Mark Davis, is, yeah. uh, he's, 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 really, he's really big on that race coming to, you, to your town next year. We, so am I. I can't wait to see it. It's going to be big. Hopefully I see you out there for that and a lot more times out at Allegiant Stadium. Thanks for coming on. Enjoy it. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you, AJ. AJ Perez checking in. So big story. He broke one of the biggest stories this week about the commanders and what's happening to Daniel Snyder. I think most people want Daniel Snyder out of the league. So the Washington Commanders, formerly the Redskins, can flourish again. Major media market team. A great history in this league. Tremendous history in this league. Joe Gibbs. George Allen before that, John Riggins, Doug Williams, all the great players at the the league is better. Raider fans, you hear that all the time. The league is better when the Raiders are winning. The league is better when Washington's winning, and I, I just don't think they can win with Daniel Snyder anymore. He's got the money to do it, but the team is upside down in regards to the accusations about the culture, the cheerleaders skimming off the top. That report that went down, the leaked emails, the leaked emails that took out John Gruden, and then their stadium's a mess. They play in the worst stadium in football, one of the worst, top three, and they got to get a stadium done in Virginia or Maryland. It's so complicated that they can't do it. They can't do it in the nation's capital. I don't know if you've ever been to RFK Stadium. I was there once. It was one of the most hostile and intense places I ever went to. I went to see the Giants play the Eagles at the vet, and I almost died at that game. I've told that story. I had a fan, upper deck, lean my neck over the back row. I was 16. The guy might have been 38 years old. That was a memory that was scarred into my brain. And then Washington wasn't violent or anything like that. I just remember the let – me, let me share that with you. The one time I went to RFK Stadium was one of the most aggressive home field advantages I've ever seen. I've never seen that many fans of one team – 
with no fans of another team in there. And the Giants traveled well. That was an easy chip for the Giants. The game I went to, there was like 10 Giant fans. And it felt like there were 90,000 Redskin fans. It was insanity. They have a great fan base. And that fan base has taken it on the chin for quite some time. And they'd like their owner to leave. If you're joining us late today, strong topic as we open the show. What is the value of Darren Waller? I'm a big Darren guy. I like him more off the field than on the field, and I love him on the field. And he's a great player. But what's going to happen overall for him? The fully guaranteed money that he has left is not a lot. It's not a lot of money with him on the books. And I've heard people talk not only on station, but on social media about could he be a name and trade value if you wanted to move into the first round, if you wanted to get a pick. No. I don't think Darren Waller is worthy of doing anything other than being a Raider. And a Raider that is healthy, is happy, is vibrant, great in the community, and gets a lot of balls. you got to carve up the balls this year between Renfro, Waller, and Devontae Adams. You know, I saw some tweets, too. Could this be the first time ever you could have three guys with 100 receptions each for over 1,000 yards? Yeah, it could. I mean, Renfro is very busy in these games. Renfro is, to me, always open. Always open. Waller is a guy who can get open. You don't have to throw the ball to Darren when he's open. And that's the one thing that disappointed me a bit last year with some of the decisions on not to go to him, especially in the Cincinnati game. First and goal at the nine. If I could take you back in the hot tub time machine, first and goal at the nine, and the Raiders did not spike the ball on first down, if they ran four corner routes, corner routes to Darren Waller, how many? Four, four in a row. Four in a row. You think he catches one? I do. I think they do. And at that point in time, they didn't do it. And Darren Waller should have been the go-to guy on top of Renfro. Not Zay Jones. Where's Zay Jones right now? Gone. And he was targeted two of those last four plays, I believe, when Darren Waller should have been targeted. And that's, uh, that could, you know, that's correctable. It's correctable. You know, play calling's tough, especially with the game on the line in a hostile environment on the road. And that staff is not back. And the new staff coming in, Josh McDaniels has tremendous experience in hostile environments on the road, mostly at home, winning games. But he had Tom Brady. He had Gronk. Other than that, other than the Randy Moss years, they didn't have a lot of guys that you had a double team on the outside because they worked the tight end. And that's what Darren Waller hopefully is going to be able to do. 702-365-9200. What do you think happens to Darren Waller? Early contract extension or he plays out this contract? All of this year and then next year's the contract year. What do you think is the prudent, smart decision for the Raiders to make with Darren Waller? And we'll have a recap of North Carolina's collapse against Kansas. Whenever there's an epic comeback, there's either an equal or a bigger collapse. And that is exactly what happened last night. Tiger Woods is back, and Ian Rappaport on the Saints trade with the Eagles next. McCormick back to work, turns, right hand hook falls. Kansas 70, North Carolina 69, 1-17 to go. Last night, the national championship game. JT, back with you. Brought to you by our great friends, and I mean they are fantastic. Drive the show here every day. Fuel the monologue. 
Golden Entertainment. They own the Strat Arizona Charlies and 64 PTs in town. Head on out to Happy Hour 5 to 7, midnight to 2. Best happy hour in town, half price drinks. Head on out to a PTs. Locally in your neighborhood, other side of town, great meeting spot to team up and watch the Golden Knights. I think Dave Gosher is going to join us tomorrow. We're going to talk to him about the Golden Knights as they have another game with Vancouver. Uh, my great friend in my personal life, one of my best friends, Brady Cannon from Beeson, who's a golf handicapper, and he's going to tell us how to bet the Masters. He's going to join us tomorrow. I believe we have another Raider alumni coming up tomorrow, too, so busy shows the rest of the week. I want to get back to the game last night. If you watched the game, what did you think of it historically? Did it break into your all-time Final Four? It's tough to in this town because UNLV in the history of Tark and UNLV winning a championship, that, that's going to be the favorite here in this town. But for everybody else who's from out of town or listening to a streaming, I thought it was fun. So you just saw Kansas take the lead again late in that game, and then Baycott, the big center for North Carolina, rolled his ankle in a big way here. If he doesn't roll his ankle, he's taking off to the rim here with an opportunity to at least tie the game or take the lead. Baycott driving down the right side. Slip. He grabs his right leg down on the ground. It's five on four the other way for Kansas. Wilson left alone on the left wing. Baycott hopping up the floor on one leg, and now the officials are going to stop it. What's with these guys rolling their ankles? So Baycock stepped onto the court, and the floorboard of the court lifted. And that's a big conspiracy theory today, saying was that floorboard in there tight enough, or was it flexing with a grown-ass man? He's a big guy who put all that pressure down, and the court buckled. If you didn't see that on social media, it was pretty wild to look at. So once he got hurt, it looked like Kansas was going to win the game. But check out this play when Harris steps out of bounds. Kansas decides that they're going to run out the game with a few seconds left, and they can't even get the ball in bounds and stay in bounds. Brown inbounds. Harris. Harris stepped out of bounds. Did he step out or was there a foul? He was tiptoeing along the sideline. The whistle blows, and they're going to review this. They're going to look at this. Did he step out of bounds? Yes, he did. Now, at that point in the game, I thought, oh, my God. All they had to do was get the ball in bounds. Game's over. Game's over. They foul. They hit a free throw. Two-possession game, and it's over. And that wasn't the case. So Kansas had to defend the last play of the game. And Caleb Love took a bad three-point shot, which Brady Mannix should have took this shot. Kansas caught a big break, and they win the national championship. Love will put it on the deck with three seconds, with two, three at the top of the key. It is no good. It falls just short. And the last number one seed is the nation's number one team, Kansas, for the fourth time in school history. Men's basketball national champions. The final score, Kansas 72, North Carolina 69. KU comes back from 15 down at half to win the national title. Westwood won on the call. Would you believe that's only their fourth title? I thought they had a lot more. Bill Self's got two of the four. And the one came in 2008 against John Calipari and uh, Derek Rose where Mario Chalmers hit a three to send it into overtime. I said it on my show last night. Very important point. If Mario Chalmers didn't win the national championship for Kansas for Bill Self, Bill Self never would have coached this long. Kansas would have never have let him coach from 2008 to 2022 without another championship. So the only reason he got the opportunity to still remain the coach of Kansas was he won in 2008, and that was a miracle. They should have lost that one. 
Derek Rose still loses sleep over that one. So that's the final call. Uh, give Bill Self credit. Team was down 15 at the half. They had tremendous turnaround and the ability to come back with his adjustments. We were disappointed in how we played the first half. Uh, Carolina was obviously the much better team. And, but this team has been down before. And, and uh, you know, I told them at halftime, would you rather be down 15 with 20 left or down nine with two left? Because that was obviously what happened in 2008. And they all said, let's take 15. So we played off of that. Great speech. Bill Self deserves a lot of credit. Now, what's interesting, they made a trophy presentation. Mark Emmerich, the head of the NCAA, and there's going to be sanctions against Kansas for their issues of the past. So Bill Self is going to be in the news again. It's always interesting when you're getting an award, knowing you're potentially going to get in trouble and there's going to be sanctions in years to come. Uh, Baycock of North Carolina spoke after the game. He was hurt. He was hurt throughout the Final Four here. This kid was a warrior, second all-time in the Final Four in rebounds. Yeah, I mean, the last 24 hours, probably 15 of them, it was me just trying to, you know, get my ankle better. And right before the game, I really couldn't even jump. And then that's why I kind of went back. And we just kept trying to take a crack at it, and they didn't give up. And luckily, I mean, I was able to play 38 minutes. That kid is a warrior. 38 minutes on an ankle that felt like it was broken. Like he said, he went out there and competed for his school. That's what's so great about college athletics. Now these players are getting a little bit of money, but not a lot. You know, name, image, and likeness. And Baycott uh, Bay is a good player, but he put his career on the line playing through injury. Suffer a serious injury like that, you're putting your career on the line. Give him credit. And finally, Hubert Davis, the coach of North Carolina, very close to winning. I mean, super close to getting it done. He did a marvelous job. Even though that the whole season has been, you know, filled with, with so many blessings, it's it's been so busy. I haven't I haven't had time to really process and think fully what has happened. CL, I will say this: I not I like I love what I'm doing. I love being the head coach at the University of North Carolina and coaching these kids. A lot of drama this week. We had the national championship last night. Tiger Woods announced that he's going to come back and he's going to play at Augusta National. And then remember, everybody, the Lakers are two games out of the final spot to 10 seed. Lakers are going to be eliminated on Sunday from the playoffs. Where are you going to rank that story? Other than Tiger Woods winning the Masters, which I don't think he will, next Monday, every debate show is going to lead with the Lakers missing the playoffs. Magic Johnson said something that was really a big-time comment against LeBron James. Yesterday we had Kareem talking down at LeBron. And Magic talking down about LeBron being the architect of this Laker team. Because DeRozan wanted to play for the Lakers. And when I got the call from his agent, I called the Lakers, said, hey, he wants to come home. And DeRozan could have been a Laker instead of a Bull. We could have made that deal. But when Russell and LeBron and them started talking, that's when they nixed that deal and went with Westbrook. And he became a Laker instead of DeRozan. And Magic's right on that. DeRozan had a much better year than Westbrook. But does Magic, is he Teflon or what? Does anybody remember how that Magic quit on the Lakers and how bad of a job Magic did? And Magic had to be removed and lost his job. Now Magic's on TV with Stephen A. and talking about LeBron James. Yeah, he's right. I, I, I like Westbrook a lot. I'm a big Westbrook guy. But DeRozan was much better than Westbrook this year. Not many people had that when it went down. Uh, other big story, too, in the NBA is the fact that they're going to get in as the 10 seed, Brooklyn, 
Brooklyn's the 10 seed. They don't have to worry about the Knicks. They're six behind. The season's over. Brooklyn is the 10 seed going to play Charlotte in the play-in game. If they don't get out of that, you're going to have the Lakers and Brooklyn miss the playoffs. They were both supposed to play each other in the finals. That is a ratings disaster for the NBA. No Durant and Kyrie. No Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Unbelievable to see that. And then finally, Ian Rappaport went on television to talk about the Eagles-Saints trade. Uh, This affects us here in Vegas as we're hosting the draft as these teams shuffle some picks and they have high picks. Let's take a look at where the Eagles stand and why they did this deal first. Of course, they had three first-rounders before this deal, which meant three fully guaranteed contracts over the next four years from just this draft alone. That is a lot. So they get rid of one first-rounder, basically send it to next year, which now allows the Eagles to do a couple things. One, does not seem like they need a quarterback this year's draft. But if Jalen Hurts is not exactly what they think, then they have enough ammunition for next year's draft with two first-rounders. Plus, they have a future second-rounder to go along with it. That's why it makes sense for the Philadelphia Eagles. And then you have the New Orleans Saints, who now, of course, add a first-rounder, which does a couple things. It gives them another opportunity to get a premium player at a discount. First-round salaries are great deals for teams, and they are in some salary cap trouble, need some maneuvering, as they always do. That is one option for the Saints who want to reload here. The other option is they now have two first-rounders, just in case New Orleans wants to move all the way up and get a quarterback in the early part of this first round. Yeah, and they can. New Orleans can stay there. They can get Pickett. They can get a quarterback if they want to move up. It's just not the quarterback draft that we saw last year. Mac Jones, Trey Lance. You you look at Trevor Lawrence. Last year was the year to go get a quarterback, and then next year is supposed to be a little bit stronger. Also, last story of the day in the NFL, Rob Gronkowski said he'd never play without Tom Brady. He once said that. Now Gronk says yesterday to TMZ, Right now, I'm not ready to get back out on the field. I'm not ready to commit to the game of football. Gronk's only 32. 32. Brady, 45, going on 45. Uh, Last year, he missed five games because of back spasms, cracked ribs, and a punctured lung. Look at all the TV commercials he has. All the deals, wrestling, whatever it is. He really doesn't need to play again. He goes right to the Hall of Fame in five years. I think he's going to play in Buffalo. I think Buffalo is still the favorite to win the Super Bowl. Gronk's from there. He could be the second tight end and catch balls in his hometown from Josh Allen. That'd be pretty good. Maybe Brady can get him out of retirement. He hasn't retired, but bring him back one more time. Thanks to Bobby for putting the show together. A.J. Perez, Jeff Sherman, who joined us. Andy Parker, former Raider first, uh, not first round, former Raider draft pick in the fifth round of his 84 draft. Uh, More Raider draft stories coming up. The rest of the week. Q is at the Raider facility, they're telling me, which is great. Maybe Vinny, too, as the Raiders players meeting the coaches and guys getting together. It's a good time to be a Raider fan on Raider Nation Radio.